Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. More. Jesus from beginning to end. We're we're talking about what it means to know God and what that means to long for more Jesus. And today, as we come to chapter 4 and verse 13, we are looking at the third of what Paul begins to teach us, how God brings more to us. Last week, we looked at faith and we looked at love and how God brings more to us as we practice faith and love more and more in our life. And he's teaching us through these first two practices how they strengthen the presence of God, specifically through this third element, hope, that we consider today. You see, hope goes hand in hand with faith and love, but hope is not exactly like faith and love faith demands a promise comes through truth maybe through a command but it demands a promise to cling to we we exercise faith in many things some more worthy than others but true faith for more is always grounded in God's word that's what we talked about last week obeying God's word Love, on the other hand, demands an object or a source because we are beings created to love, created for love. We are created to both receive love, to establish our identity in that, and to give love, to reflect or to demonstrate out of that which we have established our life. To only give love is to exhaust self. You can't substantiate yourself in that because we are not a source of love. But to only receive love is to bloat self because we were not created just to hold it all. We must know and show love in healthy ways to establish our identity in love. But the third element of what Paul prays for more from God, hope, is not like the first two. I want to spend a few minutes today introducing our message by talking about hope. Hope and where where you find your hope. And as God works for more in you and, and you grow to address sin at its root instead of only its fruit, as we've talked about with faith, right? As you grow in God's more, to more and more learn to live as you've been loved and not as you want to just be loved, as we've talked about in love. You must address the deep issues of your heart where you've anchored your hope. You see, that's why the first two practices are so critical for us, because they reveal something in us that we offer to God as we are deepening our relationship with God. You will begin to recognize where your hope rests 
Because the actions that you choose to take in response to situations you find yourself in or circumstances that are surrounding you, the actions that you choose to take in response to those always lead you to the same place. In that situation, you experience more pain or shame or guilt. In that circumstance, it doesn't provide what you thought it might have promised, and rather there is shame associated with that particular action that you chose to take and its consequence or its outcome regarding that. You see, hope goes with, but it is not like faith and love. Hope alone has no outward expression, only internal presence. Hope needs faith and it needs love for its expression. You see, faith and love need hope in order to hold them steady on the right course. But hope demands an anchor, something to hold to that holds you when storms blow, when problems of life arise. Like a root system that sustains the tree or the plant, like a firm foundation upon which a house is built so it stands when storms blow. Faith, love, and hope must go together, but a common point must be found that satisfies the demand of all three. And that's what I want us to talk about today. You see, hope demands an anchor or a rudder in order to steer and to hold on course while love propels us and faith guides us. Christian hope holds life where faith is grounded And where love is sourced in the eternal nature of Jesus Christ. Friends, today, I want you to listen more than anything. You you can pretty much capture everything I'm going to say today, either in my manuscript or in the audio or video version. But today, I, I want you to listen to what's being said because I sense as though This is so often for us a point of frustration in our Christian life because it requires such deep introspection for us and yet it is so easy just to move beyond and not think about in the normal everyday of life. I want to begin with the principle of hope this morning and here is the principle that will guide us today where you set your hope is not always recognized by what you say or what you feel you are hoping in, but rather where you set your hope is determined by what steers your life, no matter the situation, whether it's hard, whether it's bad, whether it's difficult, or whether it's good. The question is not what you say or what you feel. The question is what is steering, what is guiding your life. And where hope rests is only seen by where you give outward expression and action in your decisions. You see, when you recognize in your life that you are at a loss of hope, or hopefully you recognize that there is a lessening or a lack of hope in some scenario, you don't just find a better hope. 
you find a better anchor for your hope. And there's a big difference there, friends. Here's the principle of hope. Hope holds your life by the quality of the anchor in which you set it. Hope holds your life by the quality of the anchor in which you set it. And here's what I want you to walk away with today. It'll be no surprise to you, but I want to unpack this and think through it with you. Jesus is the Christian's one hope who brings more from God by satisfying all of life's demand. Jesus is the Christian's one hope who brings more from God by satisfying all of life's demand. What do I say by this? What do I mean by this? Exactly what I began with, that there's faith, there's love, and there is hope. And hope demands faith and love for an external expression. And it is in the actions of our life, those external expressions, that we find where our hope is literally anchored. When we say we believe something, the question is this. Do we really, do we hold to it in those times when it matters most? Is it our highest celebration? When when we say we love something, do we really, do we we express that? Do we live that out? When, When any option is available to us, is that the one we choose? You see, hope is so critical for us. And these three must work together. And when we see our faith in our life that that is adhering, hopefully, to the truth of God's word by the promise that it brings to us, and and we see love in our life that, that we are living out what we are being filled to overflowing with by Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus isn't just sufficient because he is a truth worth believing or he is a love worth receiving and giving. Jesus is worthy of our all because he is a sufficient and better anchor to hold us when we can no longer hold to him. That's why today's message is so important. So how do you, how do you bring to context a conversation like this? You talk about things that are beyond our control. You talk about things that that we can't fully comprehend or control because when we can manage and control it, we will, right? Oh, we'll let Jesus have control until we fill out of control and then I'm putting my hand on the steering wheel and the brake or the gas, depending on where we're at. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 where Paul begins to instruct the Thessalonians about the coming of the Lord. Verse 13, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Let's pause there for a moment. The Thessalonians were struggling with grief specifically, because they didn't fully understand what happens when a believer dies. You see, they had been taught to date that the Lord would return. And as is customary for human nature, when you tell me something's going to happen, I want it to happen on my timeline, right? In my time frame and not someone else's choosing. And that's why they were worried 
Some were upset because they were unsure of what might happen to those who were Christians but had already died before Christ returned. What would happen to them? And, and, and if they're not present when Christ returned, would they be missed by Christ? I mean, we can kind of scoff and laugh and chuckle at this a little bit, but you have to understand how early on Christian theology was developing at the time. And, and, and the aspect of Christ's second return was new to them because the first coming of the Messiah had just occurred a few years prior. And so we can understand how troubling this could be for anyone concerned for their loved ones. Understand this, that grief may have different circumstances and situations that cause it to come into your life. But when you are stricken with grief, whether or not what you have hoped in is sufficient to hold you in the midst of that grief is what will determine what you do with your grief. And that's what Paul is saying here. Grief is our response to the unexplainable, the incomprehensible, the uncontrollable. And Paul exhorts the believers that we do not grieve as others grieve because we are never without hope. Friends, I don't know about you, but that's a high claim that demands some significant evidence to prove. Christians are held in life, even in the hardest and the highest times and the deepest grief, because we always have a better hope. That's Paul's point for us today. His counsel shows us how we make sure our hope is anchored in Jesus. And that's what I want to help you with today. I want to help you understand where you have set your hope fully. And I want to exhort you today to anchor your hope in Jesus, to strengthen your faith, to increase your love by the three exhortations that Paul provides for us. And the first exhortation is this, that you should clarify the gospel to make sure, absolutely sure, you believe in Jesus. Not something you've heard about Jesus, not the fact that somebody else has believed in Jesus, but that you believe in Jesus. Go to verse 14 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says this, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Friends, I want you to first of all clarify the gospel to make sure you believe in Jesus. The answer to fear is found in the truth of the gospel. We believe Jesus died and he rose again. The fundamental basics, the bare nugget of the gospel itself. But because we believe in Jesus and what he has done, God takes care of those who are alive and those who sleep. What did Jesus do when he was killed and when he was buried and when he rose from the grave? But he proved that he had sufficient power and authority, not only over death, but over life. There is nowhere you will ever go throughout your life and in your death that Jesus is not sufficient in authority and power to fully reign 
and rule. That's what Paul's telling them. That's what Paul is teaching us. The gospel is the only answer that is able to fully satisfy life's greatest fear and all of life's demand. Here, here is where the Christian faith rests. In the gospel that Jesus died and rose again. Here the Christian faith rests anchored in the truth of the gospel that Jesus died and rose again. Friend, God's grace only comes by faith through Jesus Christ. This is a settled matter. There is no if and but might or could. It has. It is a settled, done, finished, completed matter. Exercise, I say to us today, with the utmost care that you do not in some small, slighted manner sell the gospel short. That you don't in some way discount its true value. That it is good enough to improve your life, but it is not sufficient to be your life. For to use the gospel... To improve your life without trusting it as your life is an altogether other gospel than what Christ has brought to us. The truth of the gospel is it's like nothing else, friends, for the power of God for salvation for all who believe, Paul says in Romans 1. This is the gospel. The gospel's power, friends, is not chimerical to you unless you believe. Yes, I learned a new word this week and I plan to teach it to you today because I liked it so much, I'm probably going to repeat it a lot. What do I mean by chimerical, whimsical, unreal, imaginary, wildly fanciful? And so often I think this is how we subconsciously approach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We give to it lip service without tethering our life to all of its application and implication. When you believe, Paul says, for since we believe that Jesus died... And rose again because the gospel is true. Because our faith is anchored in what we know to be true. And we've received the love of God in Christ Jesus. And it is out of that love which we believe. Even so, he goes on. Christian, check yourself today that you do not know but fail to believe the gospel. To put all of your life into the hands of God through it. For the gospel is truth to meet faith's demand. And the one who is truth is the only one worthy, the object that establishes our life in love, both to receive and to give endlessly, and a sufficient anchor for your hopes demand as well. Hebrews 10, 23 tells us, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised 
is faithful. You see how hope and faith are working together there. Jesus Christ is the center of Christian life. He is the one who satisfies every demand for life in our faith, in our love, and yea, even in our hope. When you clarify the gospel, you strengthen your confession to deepen your hope. And the Christian confession is simply this, Jesus is faithful. Therefore, we can hold fast. Friends, your faithfulness is never dependent fully upon you. It is dependent upon whether you believe that Jesus is faithful. And that's where you draw your strength. Christians are never without hope because what we know to be true of Jesus is true for all who believe in him. I exhort you today to clarify the truth of the gospel to make sure you believe in Jesus. Paul goes on to apply the gospel to their situation with some instruction from the Lord. Look at verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Paul applies the gospel to their situation with this instruction to the Lord. And it it provides for us the second exhortation. That not only should we clarify the gospel to make sure that we believe in Jesus. But we should apply the gospel faithfully. That we set our hope fully on him. The Lord Jesus will return, friends. This is clear. Again, as sure as he came from the tomb, he will come again to this earth. And Paul clarifies an order of events that will occur in the midst of this. He wants them to understand how those who sleep in Christ will share in Jesus' returns. And so he describes generally the events But he points more specifically to the person. What does he say? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Where is Paul placing the impetus here in the midst of his description? It's not on the fact of you should get ready for the grand event. But rather you should prepare yourself to welcome the one who will come, the Lord Jesus himself. Christian hope, friends, is not about an event with a perfect escape plan from the world's broken reality. That's not our hope. It's not just an exit strategy, friends. When we look at the world and we're reminded of how messed up it is, our hope is not this, but we got a back door. I know I'm going to get out of it. That's not our hope. Our hope is that one will come who will make right what has been wronged. Who will straighten what has been made crooked and skewed and perverted. Who will bring light to that 
which is shrouded in darkness. This is the Christian hope. Christian hope is anchored in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the perfect Savior who is Lord over all, and he will return to usher in the restoration of his kingdom as the ruling and reigning king. When Jesus descends, he will neither be ignorable nor avoidable. Jesus conquered death, he conquered the grave, he conquered hell, and he conquered Satan all in one fell swoop. When he returns, there will be nothing and no one that can do anything to thwart him. He will not be stopped. And Paul establishes his teaching as true because of the gospel. Jesus has already done all he needs to do to make this true. It's not fairy tale. It's not imaginary. It's not unreal. Friends, if the gospel's power is only chimerical to you, and if it's not truly fairy tale or imaginary, should it not be treated as unimportant by you? It should be given that which it is worthy of. And at Christ's return, in that moment, your belief will be immortalized for you for all eternity. Those who believed and died in Jesus Christ, Paul says, will rise first. Then those who are alive will be called up together with them to meet the Lord. Friends, looking for an event, looking for an experience. They were suffering from FOMO. Fear of missing out. And Paul points them not to the event, but to the person of Jesus Christ. He comforts their fears. He comforts their anxieties. He comforts their deepest griefs by clarifying and now applying the gospel. See, friends, this is Christian hope. It's anchored in Jesus. It's not the amount nor the strength of hope. It is the quality of the anchor in which it is tied to. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says this, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. What is he referring to there? He's referring to the sacrifice that Jesus made that tore the temple curtain in two and removed the separation between people and God. Jesus became that curtain for us. And because he was a more superior sacrifice, he has become a more sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Jesus is the one who holds us when our faith is weak. Jesus is the one who holds us when our faith and our grip on him is faltering. He is the one who pours out God's love on us and multiplies God's love up on us and into us to bless us continually. Jesus is the only one who satisfies the demand of faith for truth and promise, who satisfies the demand of love to give and to receive, who satisfies the demand of hope and never fails nor forsakes.
That's how sure and steady he is. First Peter 1.13 tells us this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, what Peter does in his letter is apply what Paul is teaching to the Thessalonians here. He's exhorting us in how it is that we steward the volition of our life, our will to be decisive, to make decisions, to direct our life in this way. And he says that we should steward the volition of our life by setting our hope fully upon the grace that is to come to us by the revelation of God in Jesus Christ when he returns. That's what Peter is telling us. But listen, because of Jesus, Christians steer their life by an intentional act of the will. This is not just an indecisive, passive, uh, 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 complacent, apathetic something that will arise because you attended church enough, because you knew all the details or the facts of the gospel. No, this is an intentional setting. He says, set your hope fully. In every way, there is an intentional act of the will by the instruction of God's word to see its promise fulfilled, to receive the overflow and the unending source of love that you act out of the volition of your life to set your hope fully upon the grace of God in Christ Jesus. You may say that you have believed with your lips, but there are countless people, yea, even churches, who gave lip service to God but their heart remained far from him. You may say that you know the love of God and that which brings you pleasure or some type of identification is what you would claim and yet that love knows little to no righteousness from God. What Peter says to us today is have you set your hope on God? Have you set your intentional act of the will in Christ Jesus who is God who has come for us. In other words, you've read the compass to know what direction you need to go. Your faith is calling you in that direction. But have you set the rudder of your life? Have you steered with the anchors of your life to direct the course of your life after Christ Jesus and what he has said? You see, the compass can only tell you which direction you need to travel. The engine can only propel you in whatever direction you are headed, but only your hope will steer you to follow what you know to be true and the one who is providing the power for you to live out of. Faith always falters when you fail to set your hope fully on Christ Jesus. You see, some of you are confused about that. And let me tell you why. Maybe not in this message right now, or maybe so in this message. But you're confused by it because you know what you believe. But so often you don't see the outcome of what the claim that gets made because of that belief happens. That's what I'm saying to you today, friends. You've got to look at faith and love and you've got to ask yourself, where's my hope been set? Because faith and love always go with hope. And hope always needs faith and love. And when your faith falters in the midst of those situations or circumstances, 
It's because you failed to fully set your hope. You knew what you believed, but you didn't act on it. You would say yes, because Jesus died and rose again. Amen, I believe that. But when it got to over here, you didn't finish with the even so. You didn't say, I will believe. Because what the compass read wasn't the direction that the rudder got steered in the moment of your decision making, in the moment of your choosing. Friends, when your soul is anchored in Jesus, your mind becomes clear to direct your life by his word and your heart clean to propel you out of his love. Nothing holding you back. For some of you, you know what direction to go and you want to move that way, but because you haven't fully rested your heart in the hope of God, you don't feel like you're making any ground because you're still living out of a relationship. You're still living out of a success or out of an accomplishment to propel your life forward instead of trusting what God has for you. It's because you've not set your hope fully. And what Paul is exhorting us to here is what Peter instructs us in to set your hope fully upon the grace of God that will come at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Apply the gospel. Do not be satisfied for even we know, we believe, you've got to follow through with the even so. Okay? What I know to be true of Jesus Christ and what he has done for me will be the decisive factor for where I steer my life because of what God has said, not because of what I know, not because of what I understand, not because of what I can accomplish, not because of what I have done, but because of what God has done for me. I will walk in his way and be obedient. Apply the gospel faithfully to set your hope fully on Jesus Christ. And then Paul tells believers, believers that are still living, once those who have already passed on will be raised first, and then the others will be caught up together with those who sleep. I don't know about you, but man, that's just a resonation. More of God's promise right there for us. Friends, I, I, I give you this for free today. Live together with God's people now, because together with the Lord is the way it's going to be for all eternity. And Paul's reminding, that of, reminding us of that. Togetherness forms his final appeal. Look at verse 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. The third exhortation today is not only clarify the gospel to make sure you believe in Jesus. Not only apply the gospel so that you can set your hope fully on Jesus. But take courage in the gospel that Jesus is better. Because of what we know of Jesus. And because we live together in him we labor to cultivate hope in one another. We labor to, to, to cultivate hope in one another. Here is where the understanding of hope that we began with becomes most applicable. In other words, the principle of hope begins to flesh itself out. The best way to have courage when you need it is to be constantly giving it to one another. 
You see, friends, when you put your life together with other Christ followers and you are encouraging one another with the gospel to set your hope upon Jesus, you are regularly assessing the place in which your hope is set by the way your faith is being lived out and your love is being established both to receive and give. If you want to know where you have set your hope, look Look at your life at what continues to increase more and more in your life. Most of you are probably aware of this, but social media sites today have developed algorithms that capture the digital patterns of your life and your uh, digital uh, mechanisms to propagate more and more advertising to you. And they tell you it's for you. Mm -hmm. You bet it is. You bet it is. And what social media algorithms really do is they monitor and track your click patterns. And listen to me, this is the scariest, your chat patterns. It's funny, Chris and I have talked about over the last few months, we'll go out and be shopping for something and we'll never pull our phone out while in a store. But an hour later when we get home and we pull up social media, the first advertisement is the very thing we discussed And sometimes we can't even remember talking about it. It's like it just knew what store we went in and pulled something up in that store or that that store might carry for us. It's freaky. But it's real. Do you know where you've set your hope? Have you you tracked the patterns of your decision making when things are hard when things get beyond your control when things get beyond your understanding have you monitored what your mind is tracking and the patterns of thinking that lead you to make the decisions you've made have you asked yourself why do I run to the same things that I run to to be loved, to receive love to affirm myself, to feel accepted to feel wanted, to feel loved why do I run to those things If you really want to know where you've set your hope and how how sufficient your anchor is, this is what you'll begin to do. You see, what you practice and what you participate in more and more, as Paul taught us with faith and love, what you participate in and practice with your life, you propagate an increasingly greater opportunity to immerse yourself ever more deeply in your own personal preferences. And what Paul has encouraged us to do is that the more and more you practice holiness by faith and the more and more you practice love by not only serving and encouraging others, but also the more that you grow and mature in godliness in these two. And he says to us today, as the the great culmination of these three, the more deeply your hope rests and anchors in the waters of the gospel to steer your life, the more And the more that you do this, the more from God you will receive. Yeah, I know it's hard. Because grief doesn't come in the moments where we've got a handle on life. Grief comes in the moment where we've got no way to grab hold of life, right? I mean, we we can look at their issue and go, man, didn't they know? And once they learned, wasn't it a settled issue? You see, the issue is this. 
Not the issue where you just made a decision once in your life, but you make decisions every moment of every day. Are every one of those aligned to affirm that in fact your hope is set in the anchor of Jesus Christ? Or do you just make a single decision once a week, twice a week, and let that be sufficient for you? Paul says, encourage one another with these words. You see, to encourage one another means to take courage, not just to be comforted with where you are and to be okay or satisfied to stay there, but taking courage is an explicit act. Encouraging one another is an explicit act that demands an explicit action. And that action is to set your hope fully on the hope that is in Jesus Christ. In taking what you know and taking where true love is and steering your life to follow those to make sure that what you are doing is providing who Christ is for you. As the principle of hope is applied, friends, we are reminded hope is not about quantity. It is about quality. And regarding Jesus, Hebrews 7.19 says, A better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Jesus is your better hope. He is a sure anchor for our soul in any storm and in any situation. I want you to understand how hope works alongside faith and love today in order to hold us in Jesus when our life reaches those moments when we can hold no more. Gosh, if, if, if Christian faith is only something that we can all hold to, is it really worth anything? No, no, friends, the, 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 the key to the Christian faith is that we cannot, when we can hold no longer in life, Christ is still holding us. Nothing, nothing has the capacity to steal hope like that which stricken us with grief, which is beyond our control, beyond our comprehension. Debilitating fear arises where hope is absent. When, when we find ourselves just riddled, stunned by hopelessness, we begin to wither, we begin to drift, we begin to be washed away. But hope is never stolen from the Christian. That's what Paul is teaching in Christ Jesus because he is the only anchor that is holding our hope and he is not an anchor that can ever be destroyed. What steals our hope? That which destroys our anchor. And when we find our lesser anchors destroyed, we ought to give thanks to God that he showed it to us now. When problems or issues arise that weaken our anchor, that weaken our hope, that shake us, that, that, that steal our hope from us, this is where we can see what our hope is anchored in. When our hope is set in material things, our life is shaken by the absence of us. Our life is distraught by the loss of them. When our hope is set in a relationship, our life is shaken when a problem comes up. Our life is shaken when disappointment arises. Our life is riddled when the absence of them is present. When hope is set in success or achievement, we are shaken and even destroyed by the smallest failure. 
Job had no visible reason to remain faithful to God, let alone to continue to love God. The whole book of the Bible of Job teaches us this. He lost all of his objects from which he could receive and show love. Every material item of his life was stripped from him. First of all, in things, and then even every relationship in life was stripped from him. Man, talk about a moment to not know Job. That was a good season. And then all of the people who were left around him only worked to destroy his faith by false teachings, by false hopes, by less secure anchors. What held Job to God? What held Job to God? We learn at the end. Because even Job questioned his faith. Surely he questioned love from God too. Wasn't anything to feel. Wasn't anything to feel. Listen to the confession of our hope that Job shares for us. Job 19.25, a verse most of you have heard. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. It was not the strength of his hope, friends. It was the quality of his anchor. He had yet but one Redeemer, one saving grace in his life, and that was God. And in God, no matter what happened, he knew he was secure. When his heart was gone, his life was still held by hope in God. Job held to the Lord in faith because his hope in the Lord held him. Mm, That's good. Hear me. You don't need a stronger hope. Your hope needs a better anchor. When Jesus anchors your soul, storms will blow. Problems will crash against you. People will hurt you and wounds will mark you. But Jesus will not forsake you. Jesus will not leave you. He will remain faithful to you. He will hold you. Only Jesus is the better anchor that holds our soul eternally. When your faith is challenged or your love is threatened, take courage in the gospel. And know this, Jesus is better. Jesus is the Christian's one hope who brings more from God by satisfying all of life's demand. Let's pray.